Today on Behind the Headlines, we observe Black History Month. And John and I invite Bob Johnson in, Lauren Williams, and Isis Simpson Mersha to discuss issues about being a black journalist today, the industry itself, society, and how they confront race issues on the job. Very excited to jump into this conversation. As always, the co-host today, Vice President of Content for MLive, John Heiner. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. Good morning and uh, happy day after hangover from Valentine's Day. Um, Thank you. We're knocking down all the hallmarks. Uh, hallmarks. <laughs> that was an unintended pun. But uh, we're, we had Groundhog's Day. We've, we've passed Valentine's Day. So we're halfway through the month of February. Uh, one thing that's very special for February and MLive and, and others uh, observe is Black History Month. We're in eight communities around the state. We do cover the entire state. But we dedicate resources, coverage, time, and, and space to talking about issues that matter uh, around Black history, Black pride, um, Black newsmakers, Black businesses. And uh, we also have put a focus, like everybody else has, on uh, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion inside our own organization. And I thought it'd be a great topic today to explore with some of our diverse staff members. Um, we're going to turn over. It's kind of a special podcast today because it's going to be hosted not really by me, but by Bob Johnson, our news leader in Saginaw. Um, Bob's been with us now for, for over a decade. He's from Saginaw originally, and he, he guides all our news coverage there. And Bob also was the founder and, and co-host of a podcast we had called 2042, which explored uh, Black and diverse viewpoints and history in Michigan. So, Bob, good morning and, and welcome to Behind the Headlines. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here this morning. Good to have you back. It's been a while. Oh. So I'd like you to introduce our guests today and, and uh, have them talk about what they do here for MLive, what they do on their beats and in the communities, and, and I'm going to let you lead the discussion. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, so today we have... Um, uh, to besides myself, two uh, M Live reporters, one from Sports, which is uh, Lauren Williams, and we also have a community reporter out of Flint, Isis Simpson. Um, I'll give them a second to just kind of uh, tell what they do, um, describe what they do, and then we'll come back for a discussion. I start. I want to start with uh, Lauren. Hi, everyone. I, I'm Lauren Williams. I cover the Pistons for MLive. Um, it's been a fun ride so far covering one of the teams that has put an emphasis on, you know, bringing Black culture back to the forefront of the franchise's uh, merchandising and marketing, um, especially since Detroit is one of the country's largest Black cities or predominantly Black cities. So that's been a big message that the franchise has been trying to to put forward um, with the restoration of it so it's been kind of cool to be on the forefront of that especially being you know black myself <laughs> well thank you lauren um and to another predominantly black city um that made national headlines uh years ago uh with the water crisis uh, we have Flint. Uh, we have Flint's reporter Isis Simpson. Yeah, thank you. I'm Isis, and I cover um, communities and business news in Flint and Genesee County. And like Bob mentioned, it is a predominantly Black city, so I mean, lots of opportunity there to 
cover the community's business, uh, businesses, business leaders, um, and just, I mean, really every, every fabric of that community. Um, and so it's just, it's really nice to be able to report on a community that uh, really I, I look like, so. Thank you, Isis. So um, as, as John mentioned, it's Black History Month, but I'm, I'm kind of uh, intrigued right now because um, with, with Lauren covering sports and being in locker rooms, um, being Black and being a woman, and with Isis uh, also being Black and being a woman, um, I just, I, I guess I'm curious as to, you know, I'm a, I'm a Black man. Um, and, you know, uh, I have my own issues or, or, or my own, uh, you know, set of things that, that I have to deal with. But I wonder what it's like, you know, being Black and being a woman and, and, and trying to report news and really trying to report sports as well. Men's sports. So either one of you guys could uh, take take that and just I share can go ahead and go through. I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I'm not gonna lie. When I first began this job, it was pretty intimidating, but it's been a pretty welcoming environment, especially because you know when I think about it, a lot of the players that I cover, their parents look like me, their mothers look like me. So I try my best to use that to my advantage um and so far it's worked out pretty well um it's it's still intimidating some days especially when you're trying to talk to the front office you know staff or or uh people in the positions of power in in the organization because some of them don't look like me um a lot of them are white men and so it's that part is where it gets a little tough to try and cultivate those relationships just because to be honest i I don't know what it's like to to work in that position, you know. I've never, yeah, I've never stepped into a a professional sports team's front office. I don't know the numbers that, uh, you know, they use to calculate contracts and and how they they do all of that. So, I guess the the thing that I try to do is just connect with them on a human level and then take it from there. So, just try not to let anything intimidate me, try to be as confident as possible, which is hard, but, you know, that's kind of the mentality that I, I take in with me every time I, I try and, and do my job. Wow, thanks for sharing that. And uh, Isis, uh, what are some of the challenges you face as well as um, being a, a Black woman reporter in Flint? Yes. And how do you deal with those? Yeah, I would say, I, I had the benefit. So before reporting on Flint, I of course Bob reported alongside you in Saginaw. And so the benefit that I had there was I grew up there and I was very involved in the community growing up, you know, as, as much uh, as, as well as my family. So a lot of people knew me and a lot of people were, I would say, sort of drawn to me because, you know, they saw this, you know, young woman growing up and now she's reporting the news. So people um, really, were taken to me and, and were easygoing with telling me their stories or speaking with me. And I would say it hasn't been exactly the same for Flint because I, you know, I didn't grow up there, but you know, it's a neighboring city. And so I, I did spend a quite a bit of time there too as a, when I was younger. Um, but I would, I would say that as, as a woman, um, I probably have faced challenge or I have faced challenges 
where, um, you know, maybe I was catcalled on the job or someone has specifically called me a reporter girl, like this little reporter girl, you know, um, by a police of chief, a chief police actually um, at a city council meeting. And I, you know, just have to sort of shrug that off and, and keep doing my job. It was shocking because I feel like he made it a point to do this in front of the whole audience there. Um, but yeah, I, I do come into things that happen like that. Um, and I mean, thankfully no one has, I guess, really attacked my race to my face. Uh, but I, I would say that, yeah, working with some people in particular, they might feel the need to sort of over explain or talk over me because they think that I might not know the ins and outs of a certain subject, um, you know, based on whatever it is. But uh, so those are things that I have to work through too and sort of keep composure and <laughs> allow them to talk because I, I still need the story at the end of the day. I just wanted to jump in really quickly too. Isis brought up something that I just thought about, you know, being a woman in sports, one of the biggest things that comes up is, uh, unfortunately, sexual harassment. And I've unfortunately been on the receiving end of some of it, but it's, it's tough, but you gotta, I guess I pushed through it, made sure I tried to set as many boundaries as possible and, and fortunately came out on the other side without any, any big scars. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, 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 that just, sorry, that just reminded me of another big challenge that, that comes up with being a woman in sports, especially a black woman in sports. You know, and that's, yeah. that's why I brought that up because mm -hmm. uh, I know we, we're talking black issues right now, but you know, you can't ignore the fact that um, Lauren and Isis, both you guys are black women. Um, and I just want to piggyback off something that Isis said about her growing up in Saginaw. Um, and working alongside me, which Saginaw is another predominantly Black city in Michigan, and how it was pretty easy for her because everyone knew her. I, I've been trying to think of some challenges that, you know, I face as a Black reporter, and I couldn't think of a lot because I grew up in the city that I report in. Everyone knew me, um, and my reputation, like, it, it went before, before I, I would arrive. Um, However, I do have one challenge. One challenge that I do have is um, <clears throat> trying to uh, hire diverse candidates. It's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to get a diverse pool of candidates for some reason. I don't know why we try to reach out to, we try to reach out everywhere. I don't know if it's that, you know, everyone wants to work in DC or the big city or, you know, some big market, but, you know, we, we really try to get those diverse candidates here. Um, so getting into journalism, how hard is it? But well, we've been at MLive, we've been making a push, you know, after the George Floyd thing, we've been diverse, but that kind of depended on your separate market and how you ran your market and how your newsroom ran. Um, but as a, as a collective, you know, after the George Floyd incident, the, the company has been making a big push to get, you know, everyone on the same page with diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and, and being more diverse, covering more diverse things, uh, representing the population of the community that we, we, that we serve, um, and, and getting those issues together um, that, you know, that, that does not exclude certain people that would be excluded 
you know, um, not not because, you know, the company was biased. It's just this how things were. Mm-hmm. This is how things always have been. And it just took, you know, a fresh set of eyes and a different perspective to um, get um, um, uh, more diverse uh, coverage. So how do you, how do you guys, um, how hard is it to, to get that perspective without, I don't want to say overdoing it, you know, you don't want every single story you do to be, you know, about Black people or Black people issues. You know, you need to really cover the community, but you also want to make sure, how do, you, how do you keep that balance? And is it hard to find those stories to tell without making it seem like we're trying to overdo it? Uh, I'll go first. I would say that it, I mean, it's it's really important that we have um, minorities, um, Black women, Black men in these newsrooms so that we're able to tell that perspective of what is important and to tell these stories accurately too for these communities. And I will say, um, we do have a, a nice uh, population, a nice sized population of, of, um, of a, a Latino community in Flint. And um, I would say I, I could do a, a better job with covering that community uh, because honestly, a, largely, a lot of uh, the residents that live there, Spanish is their first language. And so I have come across working with a translator, um, honestly, to, to you know, sort, sort of get those stories out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, yeah, not even black, you know, just black journalists, but, you know, other journalists of, you know, of color would, I mean, benefits all newsrooms to get that diverse voice and perspective in the communities so they're able to accurately tell these stories and um, you know, be objective in, in a way that allows the masses to know why this is important or why this is that or, or you know, whatever the subject of the story is. Thank you, Isis. Uh, what about you, Lauren? You know, I think in sports, it's tough to kind of, especially when you're covering basketball, it is sometimes tough to come up with that diverse perspective, but I think what I've tried to do is look at the people inside of the organization who might not necessarily fit the same profile as the players. So last season, I I got a chance to do a story on Britta Brown, who um, is the senior uh, director of basketball operations. She's basically the chief of staff. She's the point person that everybody in the organization kind of touches base with. She basically gets the road trips all together and she's she's really really I guess what you call would call a boss woman if you would um and so now I'm trying to find other avenues where I can focus on on women in sports just because they do have a unique perspective being in a male-dominated field that is opening its doors to more and more women in in different facets whether that's referees whether that's people in the athletic training room or you know people in the equipment room. So just trying to find as many different voices as possible to kind of tell the life of somebody working in the NBA. Hey, Bob, if I could weigh yes. in, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mentioned, you've been with us for over a decade. Uh, you've, you, you came in the newsroom, I believe as an intern. Uh, you worked your way up, which is it's a great story, by the way. You could probably do a whole podcast on that. But I want to go back to one of the, the most downloaded behind the headlines podcast ever 
was when Bob Johnson was on to talk about us uh, stopping using police mugshots in our coverage because of uh, the biases that were inherent and uh, how it distorted people's view uh, of, through racial lens. Um, and I think, you know, that column got 80,000 views and it still is our top podcast ever. And Bob was spoke really eloquently about, you know, what it's like, not just as a journalist, uh, but a black man coming through these issues. What changes have you seen, Bob, uh, in journalism itself and in newsrooms? And, hey, we got so far to go. We really, really do. I think it, just recognizing that's a start. But what are some of the changes you've seen in how uh, journalists and journalistic institutions are covering issues of race and diversity? So I think, um, okay, I'm, I'm not muted. So I, I think that we were one of the front runners on that, um, deciding to make that decision. And I see that there are, um, there's still other news organizations that still use um, <clears throat> mugshots, but it had been a conversation that had been going on even before the George Floyd thing. George Floyd uh, situation just sped up a lot of things that a lot of news organizations and just organizations knew that they had to do um, and they, they, you know, they've just been dragging their feet trying to do. Um, what I have noticed is that locally in our news market, you know, uh, M, M Live, you know, people get upset when you have to write the bad and, and but that's our job. If, if something happens, we have to write about it, but we not using these mugshots now, it stops a lot of the chatter. It stops a lot of the, you know, uh, us being accused of purposely trying to make a certain group of people look bad. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's really opened up a lot of communication where people can focus more now on the information that we are putting out there rather than the photo that we used of the person. Because you, you know, you, unless you know who this person is, you don't actually know what race this person is. Um, who this person is. It's just a person who committed a crime. And now you just, you, you're able to get those facts. Another thing, it just, it just kind of shows that, um, um, that we are, we are, we are looking to be, when we say we want to be a fair, balanced and unbiased news organization, this shows it because, you know, mugshots will get you clicks. It, it will make people want to click on the article because they want to see who that person is. Well, we decided, you know, what's more important, us being, us having integrity and not um, making a certain group of people look bad um, disproportionately and and let's go with journalism and over over clicks. And so I think um, we we did, we, we made the right decision um, I didn't know how it would play out, but it, it played out pretty good. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we made that decision. In general, have you seen in your career more awareness? I mean, it's not just having more diverse workforce. It's taking a different approach to stories as well. Um, do, do any of you, the three of you, see mindsets changing about the sources we use, um, how we think about stories, like uh, broadening the perspectives? I would say the diversity, um, you can really see it. Um, when I'm out in the community now, people, they come up to me all the time and they 
they compliment or, you know, give kudos about certain things that we wrote about that. And they would say out of their own mouths, like this stuff never used to get covered. This stuff never used to get written about. And, you know, I would explain to them, like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. It's just that you needed some more diversity in our newsrooms with people that see out of different lenses to be able to see these type of stories or be able to talk to these type of uh, uh, individuals for a story, these type of sources and reach out and tap and, and, and share why this is important to a certain community. I mean, if you don't have them there, you, you don't know, you know? So I think we, we again, we stepping in the, in the right direction right now, um, trying to get, um, bringing diversity to our new, which in turn bring diversity to our stories. And, um, and it represents the population of the people that, that of our readers that, that we serve. I, would I say, wish I could hire more people um, <laughs> from diverse backgrounds, but hey, you know, we'll be working on that. I would say at least I, I've definitely tried to, to have different voices and different aspects that I tell, just as I, was, as I mentioned, going back to the people inside um, the locker room, inside the, the front office, inside uh, just the organization itself, but also the fan perspective. I think I've been trying to broaden how I, I tell stories so that it reaches a wider audience of fans. Um, you know, the Pistons fan base is, you know, still regrowing itself after, you know, being kind of in the middle of the pack for so long, being at the end of the pack of the NBA for so long that a lot of people aren't sure yet or aren't ready yet to, um, I guess, tune into watching the sports or tune into watching basketball again, excuse me. So I, I think, you know, I'm at a, a unique crossroads where there are a lot more people that I could reach, you know, so I'm trying to do a little bit more experimenting on, on how I cover the Pistons. Mm -hmm. And I, I think probably over the last couple of years, I, I would like to think I've been more um, aware of the different perspectives or how I'm starting a story or, um, you know, all the different sources that go into it so that it you know, it is showing that it's diverse and not the same sort of players that are in the certain community because of the, of the title that they hold. Uh, so the community spec perspective is always really nice um, to have in there because, you know, it, it could always be someone different. What do you think, all of you, because we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but where would you rate the progress that's been made? Um, you come to work every day as, as journalists, first and foremost, but also people of color who are it working. I mean, whether it's Saginaw, Flint, or a locker room in the NBA, uh, you're working to tell stories about diverse people. Um, where do you see the progress our industry has made? And what would you like to see, uh, kind of your wish list for, for what could be done to, to further the causes to diversity and, and broader perspectives using journalism? Yeah, um, I think we, not to sound cliche, but I think I feel like we've come a long way, uh, but there's so much more work to be done. I recently read a study um, that said back in 2019, about only 19% of news rooms, um, you know, countrywide were 
you know, those made up the minority numbers or, you know, black and brown um, reporters on, you know, with full-time jobs. And I think that is staggering, honestly. Um, and on the other side of that, about that same percentage, 18 to 20% of those um, leaders in those newsrooms saw that there was no issue with that. And sounds like, <laughs> you know, we need to do more. <laughs> uh, so I would like obviously to see more people that look like me, more people that look like Lauren, Bob, everyone, you know, so it accurately reflects on what we're reporting on because it like, it's, you know, it, it's important. <laughs> we issues get missed. Um, things that are, you know, happening are, are not being, um, you know, given the light that they, that they deserve. And, and so, yeah, as an overall goal, I, I would just hope that we, we keep moving in this direction and it's, you know, it's, it's been slow, but in some progress. To piggyback on what ISIS was saying and to also push it a little bit further, I'd like to see more people that look like ISIS, myself and Bob in leadership positions. Um, you know, I think it's great that Bob is a news leader and Roberta Costa in, um, in Flint is a news leader. And we have Monica Scott out in Grand Rapids as, as a news leader, but I'd like to see that kind of translate into all aspects of leadership um, in our newsroom. I just think that we have such a unique perspective that we can, you know, help our fellow coworkers along, especially when they're covering topics that they really don't have that perspective on. Um, so whether that's, you know, reaching out and asking us a little bit more, or we're uh, finding the right people from outside of the organization, um, I definitely would love to see, see more leadership um, from, from people of color. I totally agree with ISIS and Lauren, and I won't even go back over those points. I would just want to say one thing, like, um, we, we are moving in the right direction. Um, and, and it, I see that, I noticed that, and, and that's being noticed. I would like to see it to be one day where, where, you know, that's just a normal thing to do instead of, you know, we got to worry about, you know, do we have enough diverse candidates or should we be looking at this group? I just want to see one day where we, we progress to the point where that's just the norm. You know, we don't even have to think about it. It's just there. Right. And I'll wrap by saying you don't make progress on any problem unless you say it, the problem out loud. <laughs> you put some attention and resources. You ask yourself the hard questions. You face the hard truths, whether they're truths from 400 years ago or tr truths from four days ago. And to tackle these things can be uncomfortable. But what I want to say is thank you, uh, Bob, Isis, and Lauren, because you still are trailblazers. Um, I know coming to work every day, uh, when you're in the minority, literally, you're representing a lot of people and a lot of hopes people have for progress. And that all aside, thanks for the great work you do in your communities and, and, and for MLive in the locker rooms, Lauren. Thank you for joining us for the special podcast. Uh, um, and for all great coverage on Black History Month, go to MLive.com. Thank you for joining us all today, Bob. Thanks for leading that discussion. And uh, uh, thank you to our listeners behind the, the headlines. And there they go. A big thanks to Bob, 
Isis, and Lauren for joining us today. And as always, if you like what John and I are doing, like, comment, and share wherever you get your podcast. And until next week, he is John Heiner, I am Eric Hulkerin, and this is Behind the Headlines.